Hey, this is Spanner for the Spanner Rig Show. We're here, episode nine. Great episode. We got an interview with congressional nominee Mark Haugen. Uh, you marry two-time defending national champion coach Dan Huntley, and we are going to talk the goat of all goats. And here we go. Hey, this is Spanner from the Spanner and Rig Show, and we are here with uh, Mark Haugen. Uh, the Democratic nominee for Congress for the state of North Dakota, and we're going to talk a l little sports, talk a little baseball maybe. Uh, Mark, how you doing? Doing well. It's a Tuesday morning. Um, North Dakota, a little overcast, but heck, it's spring in North Dakota. So you, uh, you're a big baseball guy. You, uh, you played Little League. Uh, you said Rose Glen, North Dakota, some Legion and Garrison, and then some uh, baseball and football, is that right, for uh, Bismarck Junior College, not State College back in the day, right? <laughs> That's correct, Jason. Yes, thank you. Yes, I grew up in western McLean County, western North Dakota, a little town called Rose Glen, uh, just off the Fort Berthold Indian Reservation. And uh, so, um, you know, I attended school at White Shield and played basketball and football through my formative earlier years and started Little League in the adjacent town of Rose Glen. Uh, we had a very, um, we, we played communities like Newtown and Partial and Ryder, McCody Plaza. We had to have what we called kind of a lake conference there. So um, um, very, a lot of fun. A lot, we were all farm kids. I think the only, uh, we, had the, we had a grocery store in Rose Glen. So the grocery, the, the family that run the grocery store, their kids played baseball. Otherwise we're all farm kids um, in that part of the country. Um, uh, Garrison, I graduated from Garrison High School, played football and um, Legion baseball, of course, and basketball. And and uh, I started thinking about college. I, I uh, played for one year at Bismarck Junior College, uh, played football for uh, an old NDS. Well, actually, he went on to NDSU to be the um, offensive or defensive coordinator, Leo Ringy. He was my head coach at Bismarck Junior College. And uh, they had a football program for about 10 years uh, before they uh, decided to drop football. But it was it was a lot of fun for young men to play football in a four-year conference. Back in those days, North Dakota State College of Science and Bismarck Junior College were part of the NDCAC, the North Dakota College Athletic Association with Minot State, Dickinson State, Mayville, Jamestown, Valley City. And so we played against the four-year boys. So, um, uh, But uh, uh, we had fun doing it. We, we hit just as hard as um, the bigger boys. And and although we didn't win many games, we, we, we really enjoyed it. And I also played college baseball um, for Leo Riggi at Bismarck Junior College in the same teams, um, four-year schools, two-year schools. The um, uh, I play, I coached Legion baseball for Garrison for a number of years. I coached Legion baseball and Little League baseball in Underwood as well, which is a little community to the south of Garrison. And I also coached high school baseball. These are in my early 20s. When I was, um, just, what, what you know, school, I had the what, energy. Did you coach at Garrison High School, or what, what school did you coach? Yeah, Garrison. I coached baseball at Garrison High School so and then trooper. Legion in the summer. I like that. I'm a trooper. I like exactly. that. I like yeah. that. White, I was a white chill warrior from um, 66 to 75, and then a trooper from 75 to 79. So that's my kind of my high, performative in high school years in there. I like that. So what position in baseball did you play? A lot of outfield. Um, you know, I actually started playing Legion when I think I was 13. You know, in small towns, you kind of have to dig down deep into 
the um, the roster a little bit or the, the younger people. So I started playing Legion baseball pretty at a pretty young age. So they kind of stick in the outfield, and I love playing the outfield. Actually, actually, just stuck with that position for most of the time. And then as my later years, I did some pitching as well. So I was always the second I, I baseman. I, I wanted to play center field. You know, center field gets to move around all the time, always backing things. So I was always the second I, I baseman. I, I wanted to play center field. You know, center field gets to move around all the time, always backing things up and whatnot. And, you know, but I had kind of a spaghetti arm. But uh, so I was always at second base. <laughs> but that is what it is. You know, uh, it was yeah. fun, though. Baseball, uh, most people don't know. It's like, you know, it's kind of my true love. I'm a Dodger fan. Um you know, you're a Twins fan. That's a minor league team. I get it. But uh, <laughs> no, I'll tell you. I'll tell you this though. Uh, speaking of the Twins, uh, you guys got Korea. You know, uh, I thought that was really good for baseball in general. I thought that was really good. I mean, whether it would be the Twins or the Pirates or the Orioles, you know. Uh, but for them to go out and get Korea, and, and, and you know, and you guys got Sanchez, which I think. He's going to frustrate you with strikeouts, but, you know, he'll be those big moments with guys on base and he'll, he'll, he'll whiff away. But, and, you know, he'll come up with big hits every now and then. But I thought getting Correa was, uh, it was just good for baseball to, to get more teams to try to compete, you know, because uh, you, you, and, you and me are dying breed right now uh, on, on baseball fan. And, you know, the, the lockout, I'm glad that's ended. Uh, you know, uh, tell me, uh, tell me, what do you think here is going to happen in baseball this fall, this spring, uh, spring, summer, fall? Well, we, obviously, for those true baseball fans, spring uh, gives us eternal hope uh, for your team that you root for, and uh, so we're hoping that uh, obviously my Twins can um, perform much better than they did than their stellar basement performance uh, <laughs> last year, but. Uh, you know, obviously, um, yes, the Dodgers are going to be tough. Uh, there's no doubt about that in the um, in the NL. Atlanta's going to be tough. Obviously, uh, you know, there's always there's three or four teams right now that have that come to the top. Um, I think the Yankees again are going to be a hard team. Toronto. I think Toronto's improved greatly with bringing on. Oh, Jose Toronto's Rayo, really so. good right now. They got a they're just they got murderers row. They got a, a rotation, a bullpen. They're kind of scary. Yes, so it should be interesting. Like a lot of it has to do with the you know injuries. Uh, you know, some teams just go through just a rash of injuries um, at certain points in the season, and that, and so hopefully, you know, for example, the team that you root for, you know, can be uh, fairly injury free, and then just just hang in there. Hang, don't have the long droughts that, you know, the ten game losing streaks and that type of thing. That'll keep you in the race for a long period of time. The new playoff system is going to obviously keep a number of teams in that um, fight for a longer period of time, which I, th- I think is good for baseball. The problem is in the upper Midwest, uh, we have an open-air stadium. This is all going to be interesting if we make it that far, play, play, play baseball in late October <laughs> yeah. and, um, and early November. But uh, um, the Twins, um, I, I grew up with Metropolitan Stadium. Uh, my parents took me there starting in the 60s. And, um, you know, that's all about Calvin Griffith. Uh, uh, he was tight in the pocketbook. Um, and uh, it eventually caught up to him in through into the late 70s, early 80s. And the Polad family came along and bought the team. And but you got to give it to the Polads, uh, even though Minneapolis, you know, is still a small market. They seem to have really put the money into the team. They're not spending big bucks. I think they're being smart about it. Uh, so I think that keeps the fan interest, keeps them engaged. And so, yeah, Carrera was a good, great sign for us. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, and he's got winning pedigree. I think that'll help out the, you know, the team. It's always nice to bring a guy in that's 
still young enough to do stuff. He's not old, and but uh, you know he's got ring. You know what I mean? He's been to the World Series a couple times. I like that. Uh, so Vikings and Bengals. So tell me about Vikings and Bengals. And I, most people don't get it. I get it. My I had an older brother, and he he always told me when I was a little kid, you have to have a team in the AL, and you have to have a team in the NL. Got to have a team in the AFC. Got to have a team in the NFC. Team in the Eastern Conference and the Western Conference. You know, so uh, I was a Jazz and Sixers fan, and I was a Cowboys and Oilers fan, and I was a uh, you know uh, Dodgers and Yankees fan, and and uh, and they were all good. Like when I was uh, you know like six, seven, eight years old or whatever when I when I picked those teams, um, you know. Uh, and then I realized as I get older, okay, there's fanhood. You're gonna have to you know get out of the team. Dodgers are my team. Oilers moved. It was easy. You know, I'm the Cowboys fan. You know, whatnot. And then. Uh, I you know I I went to work for the Jazz so when I was in college so uh, that was an easy uh, easy deal there but uh, sure. you know uh, Vikings and Bengals so explain that one to me. <laughs> well, the Vikings very obvious. I again I grew up in the sixties. My first recollection of a football game um, actually was that sixty nine season in the nineteen seventy Super Bowl Super Bowl. I can't remember what was it three or four four. Um, the Vikings and the Super Chiefs Bowl and four, the game right? prior Super to Bowl that. Chiefs, Len Dawson. Yeah, and before that, the um, the loss, actually the first game I remember watching with my dad was the uh, Vikings and Rams, that cold day in Metropolitan Stadium when we beat Roman Gabriel. Uh, Joe Cap, Dave Osborne. That's, I kind of, as a young boy, you just, those become your idols. And so, um, you know, and then that was easy to root for the Vikings. Again, I keep thinking, uh, am I going to be able to live long enough to see a Super Bowl victory? You know, so I watched those four Super Bowls and, and we lost every one of them. And now we haven't been back since the mid seventies when we lost to the Oakland Raiders. And uh, so that's, that's tough, uh, but you, you just got to keep believing that, uh, you know, that the, uh, the front office can pull this through. Of course, we had uh, this big contract with Kirk Cousins that we have to kind of work through. So we're hoping that the, you know, hopefully he can shine this next year and really live up to his contract. You know, that's what I'm hoping as a diehard fan of the Minnesota Vikings that I've been my whole life. The Cincinnati Bengals fan um, is, is, is more recent. Uh, my wife's cousin is Logan Wilson. He's the middle linebacker for the Cincinnati Bengals. He played in the in the Super Bowl this year, and we um, we watched almost every game of his uh, of the season this past year. Um, uh, his Logan's mother and my wife were like sisters uh, growing up in Dickinson, North Dakota. My wife uh, grew up on a farm just north of Dickinson. Uh, Logan Wilson's mother grew up in Dickinson. Grandma still lives in Dickinson, which would be my wife's aunt. That's her godmother. So they were very close to the family, and um, he was one of these. Um, you know, 6'2", 170 pound uh, with uh, pads on and wet out of the, uh, from Casper, Wyoming, looking for someone to pay attention to him for a football scholarship uh, coming out of Natchona County High School in Casper, Wyoming, Logan Wilson. And Craig Bull caught his eye, or, you know, Craig Bull noticed him. Craig Bull started to watch him in some of the football games. And, and eventually that senior year, he, Craig, former, the former NDSU coach, Craig Bull, offered him a scholarship. Now he's a tall, lanky kid. And what Craig Bull saw was the potential to get him stronger, get him faster, get him bigger. And so he had no idea he was going to be a linebacker. He thought he was going as a cornerback, uh, but they shift him to linebacker right away in his redshirt season. And then, his, or excuse me, in his freshman season, in his redshirt season, he started right away. Uh, he wasn't even, he was barely 200 pounds 
and we went down for one game per year in in Wyoming in Laramie. We took a family. We would just take a caravan of family members from Bismarck and Dickinson down to Laramie, Wyoming, and watch a game a year. It was great to see watch Division One FBS football. I hope someday NDSU takes that route. I guess that's my bias being part of um, FBS football uh, down there. Well, we're going to bring uh, that question up uh, for sure. So, you know, uh, <laughs> yeah. it's interesting. So when I coached, um, I hate I, I don't like losing. Didn't like losing ever, you know, uh, whatnot. And, uh, but when we, I'd get into the NCAA tournament or, you know, the national tournament or whatnot, the, the, the top five teams, eight teams in the country would have the same players I would have, but they were taller. And I was like, I'm trying to figure out, I mean, how do they get these kids? So, cause when I, so I go out to the recruiting showcases and there's a big girl and another girl, you know, and, but I always wanted super fundamentally sound, crafty kids that could dribble, you know, the soccer ball, you know. And, uh, and the big kids, I'm looking at them, they're committed to Notre Dame, North Carolina, Stanford. I'm like, how do, where do they get? And it hit me, and we had this girl named Kelly Kreese, and she's the all-time minutes leader at uh, Minot State. Um, she was real tall, but super skinny. And, uh, you know, we redshirted her one year, and then she was four-time all-region. <laughs> For, for Minot State, you know, uh, and it hit me to, you know, you just got to put time into, uh, and, you know, put some meat on them and uh, build their frame up and whatnot. And then so she kind of, uh, she changed my whole view on uh, on how to coach and develop long-term thinking, you know, uh, I don't know. So it's interesting you bring that up because it's kind of very, and it's similar, obviously different sports, but, but similar. NDSU. So, for, uh, you know, uh, I'm not going to paint you in the corner with the question that we ask all the kids, you know, uh, what's North Dakota's uh, team, uh, Sioux hockey or bison football, but you did bring up bison football. And uh, so tell me, uh, you think they should go uh, FBS and, you know, uh, and what route would they go? I mean, would they, would they try to save the big 12? Would they, would they try to get into the big 10 or would they be uh, just another also ran mid major? I mean, I think, you know, they've got enough backing and they could, they win enough that they might be able to draw a lot of funding from, from, uh, you know, big sources. What do you think? Yeah, great question. And, you know, I, I look at it from afar. I'm not an NDSU alum, but I just look at it from afar. And, uh, you know, I, I, being part of um, uh, the uh, Mountain West Conference and uh, enjoying the games, whether it's Utah State or, you uh, anyone or the other, I'm thinking some of the other UNLV and, uh, you know, uh, some of the other programs that are out there uh, in the Mountain West. Um, I, I think that's the direction probably NDSU should go. When you read some of the other information that's out there, I think NDSU should be picky about it, you know, hone in on what, what's best fits them. Obviously, the other sports are an issue as well. You know, the Summit League is a great, the Summit League is a great spot for all the other sports uh, you know the, the nds is very competitive they have the rivalries with south dakota state even you know still und and um and and, and others and so you know you, i'm kind of conflicted on that too and i read some of the other um, blogs and information that are out there from the fans but um, maybe we can get into as a football only or um but i, I think we've proven our point in fbs that we're the top dogs um we want to uh, you know um Time and time again, um, within maybe just an exception or two, we, 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 we're winning the national championship every year, and uh, some of our major rivalries at that level, uh, whether it be the old Georgia Southern, um, Appalachia State, um, uh, James, Ma Madison, James Madison, they're yeah. just taking, 
yeah. So I, I, I think it's worth looking west. Don't be picky. I mean, we need to be picky about it, but look west. You know, it's interesting. Uh, we, we talked on the show a while back, but uh, and I was talking about uh, Paul Christ at uh, Wisconsin. You know, is he worth $5 million a year or whatnot? I, you know, I don't know what his salary is, but it's in the millions. You know, uh, when you go back to Miami when they were winning national championships, their quarterbacks were being drafted every year, but they were being drafted like in the sixth or seventh round. But they were dominating college football. If you get a quarterback drafted, you're going to dominate. I mean, that quarterback's significantly better than, you know, the rest of the, the, rest of the FBS for the most part. You know, uh, NDSU over the past X amount of years, you know, what, six, seven, eight years, only one university in all of college football has higher draft pedigree at the quarterback position than NDSU, and that's Alabama. So if, if you look at Wentz and Stick and Lance, you know, uh, Alabama's the only one ahead of them with, uh, with their two first-round picks and then uh, Jalen Hurts. So I, I really, uh, I love Bison football, and I think that they, you know, they've just done a, a, an amazing job of building up, with, and they've had coaching changes, and they've just maintained the, you know, the, the juggernaut. It just keeps rolling on. The, you know, the show goes on, as they say. Uh, so, you know, uh, I love North Dakota, and I went on and coached Division I, um, you know, and uh, we finally had a, you know, I, I had a bad team. We turned it around, and I, you know, I jumped back. Uh, I, I couldn't get back to North Dakota quick enough. So you, you'd be representing North Dakota, but you'd have to live in like Washington, D.C., which, you know, to me, I, I don't know <laughs> that I could make that sacrifice. So, uh, you know, tell me, uh, just, you don't have to get into the politics or whatnot, just, you know, uh, tell me your love for North Dakota and, uh, and kind of what, why you'd, you'd go to Washington for that. Uh, thank you, Jason. It's a great question. Uh, you know, I, I've I've been a Western North Dakota boy my whole life. I lived in Fargo for one year, and then I've basically lived in Western North Dakota. And I, I love the state. It's uh, the beauty, um, the people. That's I think that's what makes uh, makes a great place to live is the people that uh, you associate yourself with. And uh, and I just want I I'm always been a person of service. I I'm a paramedic. I'm still maintain a paramedic certification. So I. Uh, I've worked on a small ambulance service, and I've also been an educator here in Bismarck for EMTs and paramedics. And I've traveled the whole state uh, with leadership um, organization with organizations and leadership duties. So I've been to I've been to Walhalla, I've been to Crosby, I've been to Bowman, I've been to Wapaton. It's I've been in every place places in between serving the state primarily in with emergency medical services. And I, I want to take that next step um, in Congress. It was a very quick decision that my wife and I had to make uh, running for Congress. Uh, of course, it'll be it a week and a half ago at our convention in Minot. And uh, I, um, I, but I feel, I feel good about it. We have a lot of, um, um, we're up and running with what we need to do to take off with this campaign. And, uh, and I love campaigning. I ran for state treasurer in 2020, loved every minute of it. And uh, although I did not win, I was the leading vote getter among the Democratic candidates. I think it's because I do have some name recognition out there for the service and the work I've done uh, for 30 years, uh, you know, uh, or, or even longer um, uh, with my professional career. So we're looking forward to the campaign. We're in it to win. And, uh, and uh, we're off and running. 
So this is a sports show, and uh, you know, I don't, you know, this isn't about Biden, Trump, and party lines and all that stuff. But it is about North Dakota. I'm going to ask you one question, and I asked your opponent the same question, so I want to be fair. Um, and you know, and I come to the show with the North Dakota perspective. So I don't care what happens in Washington D.C. or Seattle or Denver or whatever. But you know, we have the issue with the transgendered sports. You know, and I've got a daughter that's, you know, she's coming up, very good soccer player. You know, uh, you know, where, what's your stance, you know, and, uh, you know, and the, in representing North Dakota, you know, on that issue. And, and look, I understand, uh, and I'm 100% with someone who, 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 who feels trapped and, you know, maybe wants to, to make a change. But how, what's your feeling on that person making a change and then competing maybe in an unfair division or, uh, you know, what are your thoughts? Uh, great question, Jason. Um, and I may not give you a, I'm still trying to formulate my mind on, on this a little bit. So I'll, I'll try to work through this. Uh, I am a, I am a Catholic. I, uh, I and um, I do believe that our bodies are temples. Uh, you know, we need to cherish our body, but again, we, those people that are, struggling with their identity, whether it's transgender uh, and, and people that are what I'm against, what I'm against is when, when people of the LGBTQ community are ridiculed and, um, you know, uh, looked down on in some way, that's not my beliefs. Uh, we need to embrace them with love and respect and honor. And, I, um, but I, but I, I do believe that my body's a temple and my God made me in my image. And I, I, that's my duty to my Lord. And, uh, and, uh, and, uh, so I, I struggle, I really struggle with that, that, this, this issue. Um, my sense is that in, in some situations, uh, it may create an unfair, an unfair, um, competitive issue. Um, I think that's, you know, probably yet to be seen uh but um that those are my thoughts jason well, i mean leah I hope, thomas wins you... the ncaa championship by five seconds i mean that that i mean it's not like it's a close it's close race you know uh I and mean, that's fairly unfair I, I do like there is a new proposal and uh i, I wanted to throw this out to you and it's uh i feel bad because it wasn't out there <laughs> when your opponent was was on here but it is a new proposal and i'm going to bring it up because you know this is a station here so um, they're thinking about going to open and women's so that, you know, and this is high school Olympics, uh, uh, you know, and I, I don't know how far the proposal is going to get or whatnot, but open and women's so that any, I mean, so if, if you're dominating the women's division and you're a woman, you could, you could decide to go and compete in the open. You don't have to compete in the women's, you know, it's open and women's, you know, uh, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, is that a, is that a solution? Um, I I don't even know what how to even answer that. Uh, I I um, I guess I'm more of a traditionalist, you know. I and uh, I'd have to put put some more thought in it. I I, I just like the fact that we have just the two divisions. Uh, you know, I think this is a something that just has to be further evaluated and debated. I you know I realize the NCAA is its own organization. It's a powerful organization. It's kind of a monopoly. Um, I understand, you know, that's, I think that's well said and well, or, or, you know, well known. 
and they can pretty much do what they want to do. Um, I, I just feel I'm more of a traditionalist. Um, so that's my answer, Jason. No, that's good. So we'll, uh, I'm going to leave you with uh, just a fun thing here. You said Bengals. I can do Vikings too, whichever one you want. But Ken Anderson, Boomer Esiason, Joe Burrow. They're all 0-1 in the Super Bowl. Who's, uh, who's the best quarterback in uh, Bengals history? I would say Boomer because of his longer career. Um, although there's some, you know, Joe Burrow's still too young. I mean, the jury's still out, you know. Uh, uh, but uh, probably I would go with Boomer. Boomer fits more when I was paying attention to football. Kenny Anderson was a little bit, when I was in that younger age group, I wasn't much watching much uh, AFC football back then. Uh, Kenny was a good quarterback. He was a good short-range quarterback. Boomer, yeah, he had that you know, he tw- like, what, 23 field. passes in a row or something, right? And uh and then they beat the Chargers Boomer. in that uh, like frozen game, and was that nineteen eighty one? And they lost on that goal line stand, uh, the Niners' famous goal line stand. But uh, yeah, 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 yeah. So uh, well, that's good. Uh, um, I really appreciate you coming on. I, I think uh, sports is a, a real connective topic. I, I think that it doesn't get asked enough, you know, of people. Or it doesn't have to even be sports. Honestly, it could be religion and arts and stuff. But uh, I, I like to get to know people a little bit and, uh, you know, just and let, let the people of uh, North Dakota know you. So, but I really appreciate you coming on. Um, and uh, I think it's cool that you've given up your time as a youth coach. So thanks a lot. Thank you, Jason. It was a pleasure to get to know you as well and your, your, your love for sports and, um, and uh, the, the teams that you root for. <laughs> and good luck to the Dodgers. Yeah. I, I hope it. I, I can't stand the Giants. I hate the Giants. I hate the Giants. And uh, I, you know, for you, I hope. Um, and Brock Wepler is one of my best friends. Uh, I hope your twins have that giant season like they did last year. Maybe not lose in that first round, but you know. So maybe Dodgers Twins World Series be kind of fun. Yeah. Thanks a lot. That was a great interview with Democrat congressional nominee Mark Haugen. Thanks for coming on, Mark. And now we're gonna talk the goat of all goats. This is where all the bad boys come together. You know, when uh, we left off the individual sports, you know, Rafael Nadal and Martina Navratilova. Huh? Nadal. Whatever his name is. What's his name? Well, what is Djokovic or Federer? Oh, come on. Anyway. uh, Unbelievable. Okay, all right. We left the individuals off. The Masters, you got Tiger. That's what I'm saying. We left them off because they don't have to elevate anyone around. Yeah, that's important. Talking about the, you know, the the, the MVP of all MVPs. You know, uh, we got Babe Ruth, mm-hmm. Michael Jordan, yep. Tom Brady, yep. right? Pele, yep. and the great one, Wayne, Wayne Gretzky. Gretzky. Yep. What do you, what do you, you could point at me, I guess. So, I mean, this is tough. I mean, uh, you know, because you're, you're trying to figure out how this can play in, in, in kind of in relation to what you said before about individual sports. Some team sports rely heavily more on teams than they do on an individual you know and an individual can carry the load but in certain sports like baseball to me i love the sport of baseball as much as it's a team sport it is more of an individual sport it's a pitcher against a hitter and that's it in 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 terms of how that goes a pitcher can completely dissolve in football you are very team heavy driven in terms of that so you need a lot of things to go right yeah there's some elite players 
But if your O line's not blocking for you, if you're you know if you're a quarterback, your receiver's got to catch the balls. I mean, there's just a whole bunch of things that have to go. Your defense doesn't play very well. You know, there's a lot of those type of things. So that's more T heavy. And then you got soccer and hockey. You know, and of course basketball, which you need a lot of other things to go with it. This is tough. I mean, the problem I'm having is is the individual statistics and the championships that go with it. Do they shine more than others, or is it? just based on the success of one specific stat or another. And for me, it's tough. Uh, and the problem is, is because I'm much, much younger than you, right? So I'm more modern era here in terms of... Uh, My so birthday was recent. I just yeah. turned 30, bro. Oh, man. But like, you know, like for me, like statistically, I would say like, I mean, Wayne Gretzky was the greatest hockey player of all time and, and, and you know, generationally. But honestly, from a team standpoint, after he left the the Oilers, he never won a Stanley Cup. He got the Stanley Cup final in 93 with the Kings, but never won anything after that. So I'm like, that's tough because he didn't win any championships. So for me... But how how much older was he? Well, he, I mean, he was still kind of young. I mean, he retired early. He retired when he was 38 years old at the Rangers. So or 38? Yeah, yeah. That's a full contact sport. I know, yeah, absolutely. And then here we are, well, Brady uh, going back again. So uh, it's tough, man. I, let me so tell you how I want to eliminate two. How do we... Yeah, how do you... We, yeah, how do you... I'm going to eliminate Babe Ruth. Okay. Because he played before the, the sport was even integrated, yep. right? Yep. It's tough to me for anything post, like, 68. Mm-hmm. 66, 68. You know, uh... Like Bob Beeman set the world record for the long jump by like a foot or three feet or some mm-hmm. crazy jump, you know the the, the hundred meter was was being broken yep. in chunks, right? And then, kind of all sports really became integrated and everything come in the late sixty, mm-hmm. late sixties or whatever. Yep. Now the the hundred meter record's going by point zero zero one or whatever, sure. you know. So I don't, you know, uh, I look at that Babe Ruth. To me, hockey didn't integrate until almost 1990. And I shouldn't say integrate like racially, but seven out of eight hockey players, we talked about this, were Canadian. Mm-hmm. You know, and there's less Canadians than in California. Yeah. doesn't make the sport any less awesome. For sure. I mean, baseball was awesome during Murderers Row, Yankees, and whatnot. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're great players. Uh, but I'm going to say, like, I mean, it, we have to have some sort of criteria for goat of all goat. I know. And in my way, I, it, you know, you, you kind of eliminate those two. So it yeah. kind of comes down to, to Brady and uh, and Michael. It also Messi. eliminates uh, Pele because we put you, yep, you know. Sure. So, you know, when you look at it, you know, you know, and Brady got carried in his first couple titles by that amazing Belichick defense. Yeah. I just, you know... Is there? I mean, is there anyone else better at elevating everyone around him than Michael Jordan? Is there, I, I, you know, I'll give you an example. Michael left to play baseball yep. for, two, for two years, right? So he comes right back. in the prime, like right in his prime. Yeah, and he, and he comes back, and uh, they're playing, I think, the Knicks or something, right? And the game came down to the final shot. And, uh, you know, and he's, like, getting double teamed. He's looking to do this turnaround jumper. And he goes up in the air, and he sees, like, Bill Weddington or something all by himself. He scores, like, 50-something, this you know, mm-hmm. whatever, and whips it in for the dunk to win the game on the, the last second. You know, uh, you know, and you, you, you got all those moments where he's going in for the winning shot, and he kicks it to Kerr or Paxton, mm-hmm. you know, depending on which Bulls yep. run. Um, you know, and they got the Scottie Pippen. You know, uh, coup coach. I don't know. Uh, 
to me, it's Michael above all else. And I know Brady's one. And, and, and you know, and does, does the fact that Brady have a supermodel wife that makes $50 million a year and he takes less money, mm-hmm. is that, does that help his case because he takes less money? Or does it hurt his case because he's got this wife that just funds his life so he doesn't need to make as much as Patrick Mahomes yeah. and Aaron Rodgers? And, and do they tough. need to make enough? Tough, I mean, man. you know what I mean? Or, yeah. Do they make too much money and is that their fault? Yeah. You know, Brady chooses winning over money. That's a big debate in NFL in general right now. You think about the massive contracts. They talked about, you know, of course, Aaron Rodgers won and then Deshaun Watson's, which they're like, ooh, boy, like you are living. There's no meat on the bone there with these types of things. Exactly. But it's tough, man, because the problem is with both those, if we're narrowing down to those two, the problem is is that the... And that's just my opinion. No, I agree. We, we, you no, can add... No, you know, yeah. We, uh, the problem is is that I... I, I, I like the Bulls weren't nearly as good without him, right? I mean, it's just they were good. Well, they were good. They were up three yeah. games to two on the Knicks yep. in the Eastern Conference Finals. Pip, uh, no, Starks for the Knicks mm-hmm. shoots a three. Pippen defends him, turns and backs into him when oh. the ball was in midair, and they called a three-shot uh, foul. Oh, jeez! And Starks uh, makes all three. Is that did that Knicks go on to play the Pacers then the next year? Was that the Pacers Knicks era yet, or was no, that a little this, later? This on? was the who, after after this that. was to see who plays oh, the Rockets okay. in the finals. Oh, okay. So the the Bulls, if if they don't call that foul, the Bulls beat the Knicks in six, and, they're, and they're in the finals. So that's something you got to oh, you know that's a that's, yeah. a that's a chink yeah. against Michael. Yeah. Um. You know, uh, but the, you know, but like in Brady's case too, like he's had some talented players, and like you said early on, the defenses are really good. But you know, all these players, specifically, you know, wide receivers, receivers in general, you know, that looked really good, you know, Edelman and Amendola and Welker and stuff like that. Um, would they have been that good? You know, just we just notice that they're good because you know you get open. Tom's gonna make you know he just get open. That's all he says. If you're gonna get open, I'll find you. I will always find you. And so you know, it's a highlight. It's the same thing, like you said, with you know, with Jordan was like you know Kerr hits that shot, right? I mean, is it him taking away you know a, a double team to make it an open look to the side to because everybody's focused on it? So that's what I mean. You know, that's tough, right? Like that's a tough part of it how it goes. I mean. And then again, you talk about, you know, in their primes, you know, Michael was really good, you know, at his elite level. Then he kind of tapered off a little bit with the, you know, the Wizards or whatever. It's crazy how these elite players end up going somewhere else, you know, towards the end of their career. Carmelo with the Lakers. Yeah, no. So it's tough. I mean, I, the other thing, then if you get to be like, the problem I have is that like Michael had statistically dominated all the time, right? I mean, it was always... And know. always defended. Yeah. A lot of people forget in basketball that if you defend all out the whole game, it takes away your jump shot. That never happened to Michael. No. First team all defense, scoring champion, yeah. you know, NBA yeah. champion. And a lot of guys shoot a bunch of shots to score, you know, and it and it hurts their chance, like Carmelo Anthony, and yeah. it hurts their chances, their team's chances to win, Allen Iverson. You know, uh... Um, you know, Tracy McGrady was with the, the Toronto Raptors. Mm-hmm. Best defender in the NBA. Great. His agent yeah. comes to him and says, you know, you're playing second fiddle to Carter, you know. Yeah. Uh, and they like, they like cousins or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, you're going to have to get out of here. And, you know, yeah. so he leaves. He goes to Houston. He's a scoring champion, scoring a million points. Never gets out of the first round. Mm. 
You know, he can't. He didn't have the legs to defend like Michael and score like Michael. He could either score or he could defend. That's something legendary about Michael Jordan that a lot mm-hmm. of people don't have. You know, I don't. You know, uh, it's really interesting. I think to me it comes down to the Brady's money question. Does that help him or hurt him? Because if taking less pay is, you know, and we're talking a, severe. Like, isn't it up, up like this upcoming like, season? What's he getting paid? Like twenty five million? It's 30, oh yeah, twenty five or thirty. And yeah. you got people that are making fifty. Yes. When when Peyton Manning was making eighteen, Brady was making twelve. You know, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, it's he's always significantly thirty three percent less. Yes. You know, uh, so I mean, I, I look at it like, you know, it, to me, that's 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 the thing. You know, mm-hmm. his his decision to take less money has allowed his team to have two or three more playmakers mm-hmm. somewhere on the field, whether it be defense or offense. Yeah, he only plays half the 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 game. Yep. Is is that a chink in his armor against Michael? I don't know. I don't know. It's just you know, and it's tough because you have to compare to sports. I just think you know, Brady's been to what nine Super Bowls, ten, nine, ten, nine. right? He's lost three, won seven. You know, and 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 that, and that like right there. So he's basically half of his. Playing career has been in Super Bowls, essentially. I mean, he's played for what twenty-two years, twenty years, whatever it is. Um, that is something that is, I, I think, is another part of the game changer of this whole thing. You know, for me, you know, I don't want to slight Jordan, but what if, right? Like, what if he didn't play baseball? What if he did play basketball? If they would have won those and essentially had a eight-year eight, run. Eight run, then there's, I think, there's no debate with it in terms of that stuff too. So, um, and you know, the other thing too is. Back in the day with the NBA. There's no way anyone beats the Bulls. No, absolutely not. I mean, he wins eight in a row. Now, do you think, though, like everybody, you know, nowadays, everything, you know, they get these super teams that get together, you know, two or three stars or whatever. Back then, you know, didn't feel like they were. were I want to address that. And I don't like like LeBron. Yeah. And everyone gives him crud for going to Miami and forming the super team. But let me break something down. I mean, he just decided to pack it in. Like well, he's that. the leading scorer of the NBA, though. Yeah, yeah. Uh, not, I'm not going to sit here defendable. I don't <laughs> yeah. like it. But here's the deal. Super teams mm-hmm. have been around. LeBron gets a bad rap for super team. The Lakers, Kareem, Magic, Worthy. They were all drafted by them, though. Well, they traded for Kareem, right, yeah. with Milwaukee. But he was there before you know, Magic. I, it is a, here, I'm yeah. leading to a point, right? So the Celtics, you got Mikhail, Bird, Parrish, Ainge, Johnson, yep. or whatever, you know. And then you got the bad boy Knicks, and then you get the Bulls with Pippen, Jordan, yep. Kukoc, you know. Uh, you get, you know, Kobe, Shaq, mm-hmm. you, you know, whatever. The bottom line is, if you go back now... 42 years or something, you got the random Mavericks title. Mm-hmm. You got the yeah. random Ben Wallace Pistons title. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's like the only two yeah. non-super teams yeah. to win a title. Yeah, Spurs in there, they went on their run. Where they went five? Did uh, Five Duncan or six. Five? With, yeah, they had Robinson, Duncan. Yep. You got Admiral. Ginobili, Parker, uh, yep. Duncan. You know, uh, then you got Kawhi. Uh, Duncan Parker or Ginobili or whatever. I don't, you know, uh, um, these super teams have been built, you know, the Bucks as well. Mm-hmm. There's one thing with the Bucks winning last year, they didn't have a super team. Mm-hmm. No, they didn't. And the fact they that they have Superman. Yeah, you know, Giannis, <laughs> and then him signing a massive max deal to stay. 
you know, when he could have, I mean, he could have easily left, you know. I mean, you know, I thought it for sure he was going to become a Laker. Oh, yeah. You know, <laughs> honestly, you would have thought. I mean, it's just, it's tough. I mean, even for my Raptors, I was hoping that they would be able to kind of keep it together after their title running. But, you know, no one wants to live in Toronto. But they're having a great year now, so, you know. So, I mean, what do you say, right? Jordan, Kukoc, Pippen, Rodman. Crazy statue to see Rodman. Like he'd have like two points and like, he has, like the highest rebounds. Right? You know, he has like the highest winning percentage of all time. It's unbelievable. Like the Woody he's on the war. bad boy Nick yep. uh, Pistons. Pistons. Yep. He was on the Spurs. Oh, so, and then he was on the Bulls. You know, the, the Lakers or whatever. Yep. And and you're looking at like fifteen years of fifty five wins in a, every it's year forever. You know, and and I, and obviously I'm I'm just yep. generalizing, but. Yep. He was 55 wins. Like, you had Robin on your team, you had mm-hmm. 55 wins. But the crazy thing was he was on these teams with all these Hall of Famers everywhere he went. Yeah. He was, like, on a bad, amazing team, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you know, his Absolutely. whole career. It's kind of crazy. But these the super teams have existed. You know, and you take a team I, I, like... They have existed, but they haven't existed in, in the formation of how they're so... Maybe it's because of social media. They're so politicized. I mean... You know, the whole LeBron, you know, getting together with Chris Bosh and going to Miami and, you know, the big three in the Celtics and coming together for that stuff. And I just feel like even... There's some weird stuff, though, on how, like, the Celtics drafted Bird a year early. Yeah. They had, they, they won a title. They didn't, they didn't need anything. Mm-hmm. So they get to the first round, the bottom of them. No one's going to make their team. And, they, and, you know, when you got the best player in college basketball is at Indiana State. You mm-hmm. know, uh, yeah. I don't know what the, what's their nickname, the Sprinklers or something. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Anyway, yeah. Uh, they, you know, like yeah, we're gonna take Bird a year early. Yeah. You know, uh, so I mean that's kind of a little. That's, there's two Larry Bird rules in the NBA. Two, you can't draft people before they enter the draft anymore. You know, that was kind of a yeah. little. That was kind of a. It was super brilliant, but yep. kind of shady, right? Yeah. It's a little shifty. Uh, and then the second one. You could go above the salary cap if you sign your own person. It's called the Larry Bird rule. So, oh, okay. so the Celtics were able to see. He wanted them to jump to the Lakers or somewhere. Oh, they signed yeah. him for a billion dollars over the salary yeah. cap. Uh, you know, uh, you know, who's more dominant figure in their two sports? Is Jordan so far ahead of everyone else? You got Larry Bird. You got LeBron mm-hmm. James. You got mm-hmm. Magic, Kareem, or whatever. How close are they? Bill Russell, Wilt Chamberlain. Yep. How close are they to uh, Jordan yep. versus uh, Jerry Rice to to Tom know. Brady? You know, for me, and the problem, the thing that I'm debating, and now we're getting really deep into the, these decisions. You know, is I feel like if all the sports, you know, I'm like I'm a hockey guy first, but of the sports, the NFL with its hard cap and a lot of the rules that they have with you know how it's developed and stuff is by far the biggest parity. You know, yeah, there are some elite quarterbacks that can, you know, take it to the next scales, level. Yeah. But in in essence, there isn't like you you like for instance, you you could see uh you know, a, a rebuild as an example. An NFL rebuild is like 2 years. You know, maybe 3. If you're doing a true you get a, you draft a quarterback and it works out 2 to 3 years. In hockey, oh my God, it is—it's an eternity. Basketball, it's an absolute eternity. I mean, if you are, you know, completely, let's say you trade off your best players and you, you know, you're having to restart from from scratch. Turnaround in basketball takes a long, long time. In football, oh my goodness, you could make two. I mean, you just think, well, what happened this off season? And so the because the cap is so hard, and and even though it sounds like it's so hard, yet there just seems like there's rules for all these 
signing bonuses and he can push out the money and stuff. For that reason, that is why I'm going to go with Tom Brady because in that sport, it is extremely hard. You think about the the Patriots and, you know, like you, I'll give you the first, whatever, five years and those first three ones, but picking 32nd, 31st, you know, like all those years in a row and, and not signing maybe, maybe Randy Moss was a couple big ones, but they haven't really massive splashes, but they consistently, you know, with Tom Brady. And then, of course... Assembles with the box one year, one year with the box, boom, you know, wins the, wins the Super Bowl. I just, that's why I think he's the GOAT. And I also think, for me, the other part of it is, is it's not a huge factor, but longevity. I mean, part of it's luck if you can avoid injuries, but being able to play at an extremely high level. I mean, wasn't Brady like a, fi- a finalist for the MVP this year at 43 years old? Like, it's unbelievable. And so, for those reasons, he had tapered off. You know, then I'm like, okay, well, you know what? He lingered around too long. But that's for me, is the reason why I think Tom Brady is the GOAT. So, all of all GOATs. You know, it's interesting because, you know, and, and, and the re- there's another reason I, I narrowed it down to two people. If, if we're to pick seven random contests Bucket Brigade, Monopoly, Chess, it doesn't matter. Okay. Of all athletes, all sports to ever play the game, I feel like the two most competitive people, period, would be Tom Brady and Michael Jordan. Absolutely. Like they would have to win no matter what the event is. Absolutely. You know, uh, I've seen the documentaries behind the scenes. Like it's incredible. Like how exactly they, how the demanding they were of their teammates and like kind of. I mean, Brady seems a little bit they sh- a little shade of gray, but he's tough. Like he's tough because you know he he's such a you know, preparation guy, and he hates it when guys wouldn't prepare that hard. But they, they were the cut from the same cloth. Absolutely they were. But yeah. demanding, so. It's, it's so close. I, it, what do you got? I just, What's feel like, What's I just feel like if Michael Jordan was playing another sport, he'd find a way to be number one. Like baseball? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. A short amount of time, he well, was pretty decent. Well, and I'll tell you this. We see, like, uh, you know, Tom Brady as a, an athlete in other sports. They, they, Not they, happening. Uh, I mean, he was, I mean, he was ba- baseball. I think, he was, I think he was supposed to be pretty good. But, uh, I mean, it's crazy to see his transformation from his draft year. The see those pictures he, and stuff. His dad basically begged the 49ers to oh, draft him. They drafted Giovanni oh. Carmazzi. I know his dad, by the way. It's oh, kind of crazy. Giovanni Carmazzi instead of Tom Didn't Brady. did he run like a 5-140 or something like that? I don't know. His, his, his whole combine <laughs> was a train wreck. But uh, he, did, he did tell Kraft when he met him. Mm-hmm. So he goes, he, yeah. you know how you, you, you go to the mm-hmm. mini camp, rookie camp or whatever, the rookie mini camp or something, you know, in the yep. spring. Tom Brady showed up and he told Mr. Kraft, he says, I'm the best decision you ever made. He sure did. You think about what they're worth now, too. So, so who do you got? Who's your GOAT? I think, I think Michael Jordan's the GOAT. Okay. Tom Brady doesn't play defense. Oh, boy. This is, uh, well, this is, I mean, we've, we've talked at length here. We've kind of dived into different kind of metrics to figure out what this is. And I was talking myself in yep. or out of it or whatever. I, I think there's a lot to it. I think it's super close. But this is one. We'll put yes. this out on uh, on TikTok poll. Yep. yep. We'll put this out on. Uh, we'll put a poll out on Facebook, and uh, and we'll put all the all the candidates up there. We left Sandy Koufax off, but I don't. I mean, I think uh, you know. Maybe, I, maybe I just kind of like to hear if somebody says like, "Oh, you 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 know, you slighted baseball." So I want to hear that. You know, if we did, or if we're 
You know, if we're in the right track. I feel like we got to be pretty close in the, in the final two. Well, here's, you know, here's, we here's my close. reason for no Koufax or Ruth. Okay. Because I think that if we put a poll out to just baseball fans, 90% of them would say we're idiots. It's yeah. Mike Trout. It's yeah. Willie Mays. It's Mickey Mantle. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, baseball is so close with so many different athletes or mm-hmm. so many different players with so many different generations. Hack Wilson, whatever. You know, Walter Matthewson. Yeah. <laughs> Bob Feller. I mean, I don't. I, you know, whatever. I, there's just so many of them. So uh, we're not so. Sh- we're not even sure Sandy Koufax and Babe Ruth are the goats yeah. of their own sport, let alone uh, over Michael or uh, or Brady. You know. Absolutely. Well, so, and on the hockey side too. I mean, Wayne Gretzky is the greatest of all time in the hockey. But 1995. Yeah. Exactly. 1995 on the hockey game has completely evolved and changed. It's on. Like you will never see. You know, you're seeing Connor McDavid finally have consistently over 100 points, but you will never even see, you know, 200 point seasons because the goaltending and the analytics and the systems are so much more I, refined. I, now. Wayne Gretzky's to me is, is so like th- th- this is why I, I I think he's off the list as far as Cy Young. Okay. Yep. We're not going to see another 300 game winner in no, baseball, right? No, we won't. it's not going to happen. No. Nope. 511 wins. 511. We're never going to see another 300 game winner. 511 wins. What does 200 wins get you in the Hall of Fame now, isn't it? I, well, yeah, I mean, I mean, so what I'm saying is, yeah. is that Cy Young played in an era where you could accumulate numbers because the sport wasn't at its max competitive mm-hmm. level. Hockey now has equaled the NFL, NBA, yep. MLB. It, it's equaled those sports in and how hard it is to win. It is, yep. You know, they get players from all over the world now, you know. Because, like, honestly, from the 70s through till the early 90s, you had the Montreal Canadiens winning it, like, five times. You had, like, five-in-a-row championships. You had the Edmonton Oilers winning it, like, five out of seven times. The New York Islanders in the early 80s. You know, like, it was just now, it's like you maybe have, like, you know, a couple blips there with, like, the Colorado Avalanche and maybe the Detroit Red Wings, but... It is, you know, and then of course the tabulate. It ain't you can't do that anymore. You, there's no way the cap is so hard. It's impossible to see somebody win it five years in a row. It would be impossible. So I got MJ. Yep, he's got Brady. Absolutely. We're gonna put the polls out and go ahead because I know most of you you're gonna rip on him, but uh, go ahead and rip on him in the comments if you want to. <laughs> Absolutely. Let's see it. Tom Brady, the goat of all goats. Well, I, MJ. I mean, seriously, MJ can. I think MJ could play quarterback better than Brady could play basketball. We'll see. Well, we'll hear from you. <laughs> All right, we're here for our college segment. We have a great interview with the two-time defending national champion hockey coach Dan Huntley from the University of Mary. We had a great chat with him. Here's the interview. All right, here we are at Spainer Riggs. We're in the college uh, edition of the Spainer Riggs uh, podcast. We've got a very special guest, Mr. Dan Huntley. Back-to-back uh, national champions, you marry men's hockey team. Dan, how are we doing today? I'm doing great. I'm, I'm glad to be on here with you guys tonight. Awesome. Well, Dan, you know, last year was obviously a big one, winning at home and winning a national championship. I wanted to ask you, I know we, we've won national championships. You have certainly too. Uh, does the second one feel a little bit more special? And I'm only prefacing it the fact that, you know, first year, you know, you won, but half the teams, you know, COVID, it was a little bit, inconsistent with who's playing and now this year you had the full slate of teams i mean florida golf coast big powerhouse team um so certainly there was no uh question about being a true champion but did, does this one have a little bit better feel than the other one or are they just both special 
You know, I think they're, they're very different. Uh, you know, last year, I, I think was in its own, in, in its own set will, will always be so special to our team and, and our school, our community, um, because our first year we were so successful and we're ineligible for postseason play. Um, they didn't have a national ranking in that year, but we were, I'm sure we were one or two all year long. And then the second year, COVID hits and uh, we were one and two all year long with Lindenwood had an opportunity to, to, to go and showcase that year. And then you come to, to last year and you don't know what's going to happen. And all of a sudden, Hey, there's an opportunity to host a tournament. We host it. Um, it's, it's an unbelievable atmosphere because, you know, we, we've got the primetime games. Uh, we've got them all at our rank and, and we've had so much success in that facility. Uh, at the Starian Sports Complex against Division Two teams, you know, right now we're sitting. Um, you know, you guys have done well at the, your place too, but uh, you know we're sixty nine and one against Division Two teams at the Starian. Um, it's it's been incredible to to see what we've done, and you know it was more of a and then and then at the same time you're hosting it, so you're doing all these other things along the way, and you, you kind of forget how to enjoy it as you're going through it. And so I think last year was more of a relief uh, that we were able to compete for something that we were able to do it. We were doing it in front of our home crowd. People stayed around. It was, it was so, uh, you know, just kind of that um, uh, big breath of air that uh, you could relax to afterwards and, and then, you know, realize that, Hey, we did something pretty cool. Um, this year, uh, coming out and, and, you know, running the table from the get-go on the, in the rankings, um, you know, having a couple blips early in the year with Liberty at, at their place and, and, uh, um, going through and, and playing Minot tough, playing Jamestown tough, you know, some of those highlight games that our guys really look forward to, um, you know, and then you, you get to that, that time of the year, um, uh, that, you know, it's playoff time and, and then our guys were really focused. Um, I thought, you know, in, in both tournaments, there was, there was a focus that they had that uh, they weren't going to be stopped. And, and uh, we found a way to, to get through, you know, to those championship games. Both games were phenomenal. And, oh, uh, you know, you get, you get a 2 nothing game with, a, with an open netter and then a 3-2 triple overtime game. You know, you, you can't ask <laughs> for much more on the nice. fan side of things. And so, you know, it's, it's pretty fun. You know, I mean, I think that uh, there'll be meaning to both um, of, of those teams down the road, you know, how, what they mean to our school, uh, the, the legacy that each of those teams bring uh, to uh, the future of our program and, and what it's done to help in recruiting down the road as well. So uh, interesting story. I, uh, I, I ran an indoor soccer facility. I was, I ran it when I was in California while I was coaching college out there and, uh, and I would change it over twice a week for roller hockey. Oh boy! You know, uh, and one thing I learned when I was doing that is how diehard hockey fans are. And uh, so we had this league, and it would go in the early afternoons with like little kids, and then it would in the evening was the men's, and then the AAA or whatever. You know, in California, you got it's pretty competitive, right? Absolutely. It was night one, game one of the Stanley Cup Finals. And it landed on the same night as our hockey night. The whole night, only one hockey person showed up for their game. Oh, boy. Everyone was dialed in on Stanley, Stanley Cup hockey. Oh, so that leads me to, you, you've started hockey at UMary. You know, uh, 
you know, and this is gonna be a multi kind of part question, you know, what does it mean, you know, to you to be the inaugural coach kind of, but to, and your team, your players on the inaugural teams and whatnot, but the student fan base and the hockey fan base of Bismarck, I mean, you know, uh, and have you raised the level, you know, of like the youth hockey and, you know, just for them to see some collegiate athletes at home and things like that at a national tournament at home. Like, what has it meant into your region of hockey, you know, students to everything? And do the other do the other student athletes on campus embrace the team and come to games and things like that? Yeah, you know, I think that, uh, you know, number one, it, it you know, when we started out, um, you know, and, and Wade knows that it deep into this, uh, you know, controversy, I'll call it still, you know, we wanted to be a division one team and, um, in the ACHA and, and we got denied, uh, in the end, I think that was a blessing for our program that, uh, we were able to, to find our footing. Uh, we were able to gain our fan base. We were able to play a, a whole lot of teams across the United States that were willing to play us and, and take on a, a new program um, and kind of let us develop who we were and have the opportunity to, to play Minot and Jamestown and get some of those top-end Division One games uh, to be able to compete against those teams and, and find out you know really where we were and where we stood. Um, our, our, our fan base is incredible. You know, I, I think, you know, the kids that we're recruiting now that we've gotten in the last couple of years with Johnny Witzke and, uh, Isaiah Thomas and, and hopefully a couple of the other kids that uh, are local, uh, coming in, uh, this, this coming fall will, will tell it'd be the first to tell you that, you know, when I started talking to them, you know, they didn't know who I was. They didn't know my background. They didn't know, they didn't really care about what it was. It was a, it was a program that, you know, they weren't sure they wanted to be part of. It was going to be intramurals or was it going to be competitive? Um, and then all of a sudden we get Aaron Nelson. Um, and that changed the scope of what our program has become. And Aaron, uh, you know, was a, a fantastic goaltender for us for one year. He won 83 games with the Bobcats, I think, and in the North American League and, and you know, was a defensive player of the week in the WCHA with, at Mankato. Now all of a sudden you've got that kid for a year and we surprised the heck out of teams and, and made it tough for teams to play against us. Um, that's led to other guys being with us. We've had four years, we've got four All-American goaltenders and, and that's going to make any team good um, when you can have those guys be the top of the game and, and showcase who they are. But I think in the, in our community now, you know, we, we play in Mandan out of the Starian Sports Complex. Uh, Bobcats play out of VFW. Uh, high schools are expanding. Um, you know, Legacy got a new team this year. There's a new girls that, team yeah. coming in uh, next year to Bismarck. And, you know, so now all of a sudden, you know, you, there's, there is an upswing of, of things that are happening hockey-wise in the community. They're adding another rink to VFW. Um, they, you know, they need more ice time here. And, and now here's what's this University Mary thing. And all of a sudden, hey, that's a pretty fun weekend. We can go watch a game. You guys can have a beer. Uh, you know, it, it's a different atmosphere than our other sports uh, where they don't sell that and, and have an opportunity. We've won a, a lot of games, which is, you know, most people will follow you if you're winning and it's a great atmosphere. Uh, they won't follow you if you're not winning and, and there's nothing to watch. Um, and so that's, you know, that it doesn't matter where you are, 
Um, you're going to get good crowds when they have an opportunity to, to see teams do well and, and you can be part of something special. So, you know, I think kids are now, especially in Mandan, uh, which are, our guys get to see kids walking through the hallways. They, they get to interact with them um, in between periods when they're going out to the second rink and going to the Buick rink and having their games or practices. Uh, and we're waiting to go onto the rink for our game or whatever it might be. And so now there's a connection and there's an interest of, um, of those kids. And those, those kids are showing up, um, at least from the Mandan side. I think more kids were getting more interested. You know, now it's a, it's a legitimate place to, to go. And so now the conversations go not, you know, hey, can these high school kids come out and play? I, you know, I think we've had, we've had so much success. Um, that it's, you know, it's brought on the opportunity when we first started, you know, half, half of our guys or 60% of our guys were, you know, North Dakota kids that first year. And then all of a sudden we're, we're able to expand out a little bit and, and, uh, you know, try to get a, a little bit higher caliber player. And now all of a sudden we're getting tier some tier two guys and, and getting more interest in that. And so the opportunity for that, you know, that local high school kid that we had that first year or two. Uh, isn't isn't there anymore and you know you went through some of that stuff as well at Minot where you know you you get kids that are calling you all the time and they want to play and they want to have an opportunity but they're just not ready and if we're going to be successful in in the in the year 23 24 uh, you know I, I look at this year's recruiting class for us as as our second most important recruiting class um, other than the first year when we started, um, because we only lose three guys next year. And so this year's class of, of six guys, maybe seven, um, have to be that caliber of player that's going to make us competitive at the ACHA D1 level when we move in two years. And if we get all those guys that I think are, are you know, ready to commit, uh, we're going to be an a, a unbelievable Division II team next year. And uh, it's going to be kind of like a situation where Lindenwood was in this year sure. uh, where they, you know, had D1 transfers and NA, NA guys and, you know, just really were very competitive above the, uh, the Division One level and, and we're ready to make that next step. And so I think that's going to be where we're going to be this, this coming year and, and that'll be the benefit of, of us being successful down the road. Um, Dan, touch on a little bit, you know, I was there early on. I remember you giving talking to you kind of in that early stages of when you guys were announcing hockey. You are the uh, associate athletic director at UMary as well. And I would have to admit, and I don't know if you want to admit to, to them, but I bet there was probably a little bit of trepidation about adding hockey and then you know, not expecting how big this ended up being, but just the impact it's made on your campus. Because I've seen your social media, I've seen your you know, your athletic director, I've seen lots of involvement from your administration, you know, in your locker rooms and those type of things. And I know it means a lot to your institution and they really made a great decision, you know, by adding hockey, but just touch on, you know, what the impact has been on your campus, because I'm sure everybody didn't anticipate it to be as big and, and so successful both on and off the ice, but it's certainly made a big impact definitely on the UMary community. Oh, no doubt. You know, and I think it, it, it was a perfect storm. At, at that time in 2017, our campus was looking for male enrollment um, and the opportunity to, to go through. And, it, and you know, it, it didn't just happen because there was a proposal out there. Um, our AD at the time, Roger Thomas, uh, had, had just re retired. 
And Dale Lennon and I both applied to, to be the athletic director and I was the associate and he was the director of public affairs. Um, he's a, a, a pretty big known name in North Dakota. He got the job and, you know, uh, I was bummed out for about five minutes. And then uh, I realized, hey, I've got a pretty good job as the associate AD and, and uh, this is okay. Um, it's, it wasn't my path. Um, and, and I came here for a different reason. And that next week I went into him and said, Hey, can I talk to you about hockey at the ACHA level and him being at North Dakota for so long, being a second, you know, kind of a tier two program, um, behind their hockey program, he, he knew how important it was. They had a lot of success with football, but hockey was, was the number one. And he knew that, you know, North Dakota is still a good hockey state that if we can add this. Um, it's, it's, it will be successful. And if we did it with the, the right way, with the right people, the right kids, uh, we're going to have a lot of success. And, and I was lucky enough to, to be behind the whole thing and, and be the one that was, was hired and uh, have the know-how to, to make a good proposal and, and make sure that the, financially we were set and, and we had a good budget. We were supported by everything in the athletic department, but funded through student development. And, you know, we don't charge our kids. We, you know, we, we've got a, a pretty good setup and there's not a lot of those programs in the ACHA that are set up that way. Sure. Um, so we started off in, in the right direction, at least with the, um, the, the foundation of the program. Now we had to go find kids and, and, and then I've had to not screw it up over four years. Um, so, you know, it's, uh, but at, at that time with that mail enrollment, you know, it was, a, it was a good opportunity for our school to, to gain 25 more kids. Um, it was a good opportunity to expand our athletic department to, uh, a venue in Mandan, uh, to try to make a connection with that city as well, where our other sports that play off campus all play in Bismarck somewhere. And so bringing the two communities together. Um, and, and having us showcase and not have to fight with the Bismarck Bobcats on a Friday, Saturday night, who's playing when and, and everything, try to find our own crowd. Um, I think that's really worked out well for us. And, and you know, guys like you that give us that opportunity early to, to say, hey, you know, hey, University of Mary wants to play at home on Saturday nights. We want to have a consistent Saturday night home game with, our, with the North Dakota teams. We'll play on the road. We'll get home late. On Friday night, we'll play at home Saturday so that everybody knows, hey, here's how we're going to develop the program. And they can come in and say, hey, we, you know, Saturday night's the night to go to Mary's game. And so then, you know, we, we've developed that over time and it's worked out extremely well to, to bring in a, a, a pretty decent crowd. Um, you know, and, and so our campus, you know, I, I think at the time, you know, we were struggling with, with some of our sports for, uh, crowds and, and winning and, and other things. And it, it started to, you know, help and kind of buffer maybe some of that stuff and give our students an opportunity to go to something and, and cheer and have fun and, and win and be part of that. Um, and now it's, it's filtered over to some of the other sports and, and they're starting yeah. to, to get there. Baseball has been doing well. Football starting to win games again. Um, you know, wrestling is, is an unbelievable program right now with the, with the atmosphere they have at their games. Uh, basketball's coming along. Both teams made the, the final four in the, um, or the, the, the final eight in the, uh, in the conference tournament in basketball this year. So we're, we're getting to be where there's some other things that are happening. And so, 
you know, I, I've always said we were kind of a buffer and now, you know, everybody knows about us. Um, now we got to continue to have people come and watch. And that transition to D1, I think, is going to help us out as well um, because now we're going to bring in some new teams, uh, teams that nobody has seen before. And we're going to, you know, try to strengthen the, the rivalry and, and, and you know, have, have a, a great North Dakota rivalry with Minot and Jamestown that, where the that, games are, are counting towards there. points. <laughs> yeah. You bring up a question, uh, you know, uh, give us a, a kind of a timeline. What will it mean? Uh, how big is the game? And when are you going to, you know, to get over that Minot State hump? I mean, what's the next step? And how yeah. much it will mean to get that first win over Minot? You know, and, and you know, and as much as I can talk, we're going through exit meetings right now with our players. <laughs> and, you know, some of the things that we talk about, I mean, how special it has been to win two national championships. There's still a hole. And, and, you know, we're, we're trying to, to compete and, and, and we look at those games with Minot every year and go, you know, this is the, you know, this has got to be the year we, we, you know, we want, you know, it doesn't matter how much we want it. 